money moves Say I don't gotta dance, I make money move If I see you now and speak, that means I don't fuck with you I'm a boss who a worker, bitch, I make bloody moves If you a pussy, you get popped You a goofy, you a op Don't you come around my way You can't hang around my block And I just check my account Turns out I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich I put my hand above my hip I bet you dip, he dip, she dip I get the money and go. This shit is hot like a stove. My pussy glitter is gold. Hello and welcome back to the rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about hustlers and I am very happy to be joined once again by my friend Hannah Couture to talk about this one. Hannah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, so Hustlers is the new film from writer director Laureen Scafaria who did Seeking a Friend for the End of the World and The Meddler, which I really like. you seen The Meddler, Hannah? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I like The Meddler. Uh, but, like, she, like, went away for four years and then came back. And it's kind of cool she came back with a movie like this. It's, like, nothing like The Meddler. Uh, but The Hustlers is based on the 2015 uh, New York Magazine article by writer Jessica Pressler about a group of strippers at the famous New York strip club Scores who uh, ran a hustle where they drugged a lot of their Wall Street clientele and ran up their credit card bills, and when they were faced with a lot of the troubles that fell upon the, I guess, the strip club industry, but obviously the most of the country, but the strip club industry is maybe one that a lot of people didn't think of that would have been really affected by the the recession in the uh, late 2000s. And it stars Jennifer Lopez as uh, kind of a stripper that's very talented and really knows her stuff and is maybe but a little, a little later on in her career compared to other characters her character's name ramona but it, uh, also uh, destiny played by constance Wu, who's a little newer to the game and ends up kind of teaming up with uh ramona when she wants to uh kind of have a mentor and learn how to do things but then they obviously after they've uh had their success stripping and falling apart in hard times they they come upon this scheme that's basically it and it's a it's where it goes from there and how they kind of deal with kind of trying to keep this whole scheme up and where it goes when things inevitably go south uh, hannah i normally i kind of like ask about like oh uh, what were your expectations of the movie what do you think but I, I know you like the movie and it's i think there's a lot of things to like about this movie so i guess i just want to ask like what was like the main takeaway you had and like the big thing that really worked for you about this that you kind of left this movie thinking like wow like that was really impressive. I mean, I, I just had, I had a really good time watching it. And I think just the main thing, though it sounds seems kind of basic, is that I really, I love crime movies. Mm. And there you don't often get crime movies that have much of a role for women. And basically every main character in this movie is a woman. Right. And, you know, it's written, directed by a woman. So that's just like always a good thing to see. And I kind of had high expectations for it just because it seemed like, you know, a good, a good premise, a good story for a movie and it had a good cast. And it just seems like the kind of thing that I would like. And it was, I had a really good time. Yeah. You know, I actually hadn't thought about it in those terms. I've, obviously it's very notable that it, pretty much every principle in this movie is a, whether it be behind this camera or in front of the camera is a woman, but I hadn't thought about it in terms of like, there not being a lot of crime movies where everyone mm-hmm. involved a woman's like, I, I, I think you really liked uh, widows last year as did I, but like, yep. you know, there's even more prominent male characters in that one than there are in this one, which is, and the, had a male director, whereas this is like female writer director and all the main characters are women. Like you said, and, you know, I guess that movie, the kitchen came out a month ago, which is unfortunately like, I did not even bother to. I, yeah, I know. I, I was like excited about it. It had a cool cast. And then like, I just didn't even make it. Cause it, like, it was really only stuck around for like a week and this movie is going to have legs more so than that. But I, the other thing I thought was really interesting that you just said was like, you just had a fun time and you know, yeah, obviously this movie is really fun and it's for obvious reasons, but you know, I think the one thing I left the movie feeling like most impressed with was, and was something I was worried about as I was watching the movie is that in a lot of different kinds of movies, any genre, whether it be like a rom-com or a superhero movie or something, sometimes like they don't spend enough time in the fun part where things are going like <laughs> really well. I, I know it sounds really basic, but it's like sometimes it's like, especially in like in superhero movies, like I, I know it's weird, but like this could be like whether it be a rom-com or like a DC movie, but like in the really bad Superman movies that came out not too long ago, like there wasn't a stretch of the movie where it was like, here, things are going really well for Superman and here's what this world looks like when it's like at its best. So then you notice, like, what is at stake when things go badly? Or a rom-com where, like, the couple gets together really fast, but then they're broken up 10 minutes later or something like that. I thought Hustlers, like, took the time to actually just entertain you and just have fun without, like, a lot of, like, 
sad, bad stuff weighing you down. And you know the story has to go there at some point. And maybe some movies do do a good job of that where you're having fun and it's like, oh, shit, we need to, like, go to the bad stuff, go to the conflict. And it comes out of nowhere. But I felt like this movie spent a really long time in that space where everyone's enjoying themselves. But you kind of, like, could see maybe where things could go bad while you were still enjoying yourself. So it didn't feel out of nowhere when, like, things kind of start to fall apart with their scheme. But at the same time, like, there was a big stretch of this movie where it was just like, all right, we're going to let you have fun as an audience. And I respected how they pulled that balance off. Well, yeah, I think that's part of the reason that it's so good is that because it, I mean, it's, it's told in flashback and it explicitly says at the beginning, like it's, it starts in 2007. And so, you know, in 2008, that's when the financial crash is going to mm-hmm. happen. So you're waiting. This is sort of a movie about wall street, but it does take the time to introduce you to all of these women who work in this strip club. And there are a couple, you know, like Cardi B and Lizzo and a couple other actresses have just sort of like extended cameos. They're yeah. not really big parts, but you see other characters besides um, Ramona and Destiny enough to get an idea of this environment and the relationships that all these women have with each other. And the movie does a good job of showing you Destiny learning how it works and getting better at her job. And you see the way that they are enjoying themselves and the ways that like Ramona teaches her to benefit from her job so that when it does hit the point where they're going to run out of money, you feel why it's going to be a problem for them because you've seen the way that they've built this life for themselves yeah and i guess i mean well i I guess this movie is almost i don't want to say i don't really feel the need to break it take have a long discussion as to like what act is what but i guess it has two fun sections if you will you know it has that first part where you're just getting into that world and it's really cool to see uh ramona take destiny under wing and all that and then obviously they have the recession but there's a there is also a big stretch of where like once they get their scheme going where it's like it is kind of just fun to see them do their thing though. I want to talk about just the moral dilemma. This movie confronts its audience with where it's like, should I be cheering for these people? Which is really like <laughs> yeah. a, a fun thing that like, where it makes you really work, look inward and be like, well, who, who is the bad guy? Are they just as bad as these guys are doing this to you? Like there's that whole aspect of it, which is cool. But at the same time, that first part of the movie, like does a good job of just introducing you to the world in a fun time. And, once they actually figure out what their scheme, their hustle is going to be, you get to hang out with them a long time before that goes bad. And I just don't think it feels rushed after that. And I just think it, it does a good job of like almost introducing you to two totally different worlds. Like you said, I mean, you get a good sense of just how good things were going in 2007 and you get a really good sense of what things were like after the recession. And it's kind of impressive that they just, and it's only like a, I guess, two hour and 15 10 minute movie it's not like it's a three-hour movie not even that long yeah yeah it just doesn't it doesn't feel rushed i don't know i I just i just feel like they did a good job of just having fun but at the same time not forcing the conflict on you out of nowhere just to wrap the thing up and i guess that was where i was most impressed by yeah that's a good point about it uh not being very long because it covers a lot of time and it covers a lot of ground there's a lot of plot to get through but it doesn't feel rushed and it doesn't really i mean there is some there are a couple scenes of like JLo explaining to Constance Wu how it works that is for the audience's benefit, right. but it doesn't feel like there's too much exposition. Like it doesn't feel obvious. No, and I, I guess that's, I mean, that's a thing you have to do, I guess, if you're going to follow anyone running like a big scheme. I mean, if you think of anything like of that nature, I, I, I guess some people have wanted to mention this movie in the same uh, breath as Goodfellas or something like that, or, or Wolf of Wall Street, I guess, or certain types of things where Scorsese can have that kind of scope. And which is funny, because I guess at one point he was, they wanted him to direct this, which God, that, that's like a whole other conversation about what that kind of movie would look like. But, <laughs> um, you know, like it, it, it does like, you know, it, it has that kind of uh, breadth and they're able to kind of pull off that kind of scope and but not be three hours and 10 minutes like most martin scorsese movies which are which are fine like i, I would have been perfectly happy if this movie was 20 minutes longer and spent various amounts of more time at other things but it was i don't know it, it just did a really good job and i it's 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 cool to go back in time that to that time i i, I don't feel like we've had a have we had that many movies really about the recession you know not I was, really i was thinking about it and i was like not only be a recession movie, but like be a fun recession movie. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I was thinking about that earlier today and I was like, uh, 99 homes, uh, which I like as a movie, <laughs> but I wouldn't put it as fun. Not in the fun. Same <laughs> breath. No, it's cool for us. Cause it's depicting a part of Florida that I guess we're familiar with in some, extent, yeah. but it's not, it's not fun. And I was like, how, what other movies have like really pulled that off? Like the, the big short was like 
not very little of that movie is shot outside, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I just don't think there's a lot of movies yet that have really just like gone to that time period and been like, what is it like to be a person in this world? You know, the big short is all about the guys that are actually really instrumental in a lot of the events that followed the recession or were leading up to the recession, not just like, what is it like to be a person living in 2007 to 2011? And it's cool for us because we're people that like most period pieces aren't really for us as far as like when we were, can actually remember them. Yeah. Know? I was going to say that was a big thing I enjoyed about it is that it was, uh, you know, it, this happened 12 years ago, but it is mm-hmm. funny now to be at a point where like period pieces can be of times that I remember all the news that was happening. You remember the news, or, like, the you music. remember the music. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, like this movie, it spans from 2007 to 2014, right. I think, which are the years I was in high school and college. So like all of those music cues, I totally remember, you know, where I was when that song was big. Right. No, yeah. And I, I definitely want to talk about the music. I just, I don't know, I, I, it's, just, it's, it's just really kind of cool how like, I mean, the recession's a very sad thing. It's, it's, and I, I guess that's part of what I want to talk about this movie is that like a lot of the people that brought us into this recession are the people that are the victims of the our main characters' crimes. So it's like it really makes you look think about like just the morality of everything that's going on and who who you should be looking at in what way and how you should be judging them. And it's, so I don't. It's it's just interesting that not only does it take place in this time, but the people that are responsible for what ultimately became of our economy are like very instrumental in the plot of this movie, which is just a, a very interesting aspect of it. Uh, you know, I, I, we haven't really even like talked about the specific characters all that much yet after the intro, but I mean, you're really, I mean, especially I'd say like Ramona, but I mean, even different people have their very funny moments in this movie, but I'd say maybe the, the two most inherently likable characters for a lot of it are Ramona and Mercedes. And it's like, you're just, Mm -hmm. you're meant to like, like these people. So what did you think about these characters and just how the movie just introduces them to you and makes them people that you want to root for in some way? And how did you feel about that? Well, I think that it does a good job of showing you what their motivations are. Like you learn very early on that Ramona has a young daughter and later destiny has a daughter mm-hmm. and there's another um lily reinhardt's character and her name's annabelle she the first time you meet her like she's upset because her parents have kicked her out of the house and um right. mercedes boyfriend is in jail and she needs money to pay for a lawyer like you, it sets up that these women need to work hard because they need money and if they go even a short time without having money their lives could kind of fall apart immediately so like Obviously, I don't, it's one of those things where like any movie that is about some sort of crime, like you talked about how a lot of people have compared this to a Scorsese movie, like, um, Wolf of Wall Street. I remember there being a lot of arguments about like, is the movie endorsing this behavior, which is like, not really something I'm interested in getting into, but it is like, it is interesting to see this movie is sort of Wolf of Wall Street from like another angle, you know, it's like. I don't know, people who are affected They, they by... talk about these guys selling shitty stocks within right. this movie, too, which is interesting. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm not endorsing drugging and robbing people, but you understand why they're doing it. And I don't think the movie is saying, like, everything they did was good. But you understand why they did it. Right. And I think that's just, it's, it's just one of the cool things of the movie where... And, and, it, and it does track, like, well, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I thought it was interesting that, like, they don't get in a lot of trouble. I mean... For no. what you think they were maybe going to happen, you know, they, I don't think it's said at the end that any of them spent more than like, I don't know, four years in jail or like, it was maybe like for four years, a couple of them had to go to the Mercedes and, um, wait, 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 weekend jail though. Right. It was like, well, I, I forgot. What'd you say the Lily Reinhardt character name again is? I've drawn a blank. Annabelle. Right. Uh, Mercedes and Annabelle like went to jail on the weekends for four years or something and were just on probation for the rest. And, uh, and destiny took the deal. So she yeah, didn't avoided it. have to serve any time. And I, I don't think Ramona's like, was it like six months maybe? I think, uh, yeah, it was not much. And then at the end it's like, he's back to doing her swimsuit line. So it's like, you know, <laughs> they like, they kept it pretty close to the real story because they wouldn't have like, if they'd actually killed someone or harmed anyone to that extent, like they would have gotten more, like more serious punishments, you think? So it's like, you kind of just realize like, all right, well, yeah, what they did wasn't good. And I think you can like acknowledge that. And I don't, I don't think Wolf of Wall Street tries to convince you, like you should be rooting for him or at all. I don't, I don't know if it's, no, I don't think so either. I, 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 I never had that issue with it. I, did you ever see Boiler Room? 
No. So, I know of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Like, the guy that did Boiler Room, I think his name's – I think it's Ben Younger who who did uh, the movie um, – the Miles Teller boxing movie from a couple years ago, and I'm already. Oh, what was it called? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, I saw I didn't that. See it. But it was like, but like basically, Martin Scorsese when he was researching Wolf of Wall Street, he actually was like he watched Boiler Room, and he was, and then like he reached out to it's bleed for this is the Miles Teller one. So then he like that's it. Yeah, so like he like reached out to Ben Younger, the guy that did it, and was like when he was researching it, just because he's like wanted to talk to someone, he's like this movie's kind of about the world I want to get into. And which is funny because like Wolf of Wall Street obviously was very successful uh, critically and and financially, but it was like one thing I thought Boiler Room actually did better than Wolf of Wall Street was it actually like showed the it, it showed like one of the like it kept going back to one of the victims that these people were working like the whole time and trying to mm-hmm. get them to buy a bunch of stock and and it goes back to them to show the effect on their lives and you maybe see Leonardo DiCaprio's character making like one of his first sales to one of the unwitting marks. But you don't really see the effect of what he's doing. You kind of know it's wrong, but you don't see the consequences that it has for innocent people. And I think Hustlers, while it makes it clear, like, look, these guys did bad stuff. And I think it's very clear if you've, like, watched The Big Short or read anything about the recession, like, literally one dude went to jail for everything. (laughs) Like, for everything that led to the recession, all the financial crimes that went into it. Literally one guy did jail time. And it's, like, not an exaggeration. So... You kind of know if you have any outside knowledge of it that like these are bad dudes, and it, luckily it doesn't really feel the need to preach that much to you about it. Like, yeah, Ramona says that a few times whenever any of them have doubts, but it tr- the movie trusts you to have that outside knowledge. But at the same time, like it does go to like a fairly innocent victim at some point, and that's kind of their downfall. It's like okay, well, it's showing both sides of the coin here. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it is interesting how when you get a movie like this about a group of women pulling off a scheme all of a sudden people are like, oh, but what does this mean? That this is a movie about, like, you know, women drugging and robbing people. And it's like, do we do this every time a mafia movie comes out? You know, like... Do we need to have a discussion about male empowerment, (laughs) Hannah? (laughs) (laughs) It's just... Well, I mean, we've had this conversation before about other movies, is that it's frustrating that every time there's a movie starring women or made by women, we have to have a conversation about what it means for women and movies. And it's like, to past a certain point this is just a movie based on a true interesting crime that happened you know right. it doesn't have to be so i mean i agree you know, you know it's like, kind of interesting it, that you say that though i don't think we had that kind of discussion about a year ago when we talked about support the girls which i mean that movie is about mostly it's good a much people. smaller movie though right but it, it, it's not it has some similarities and that's about women in like a workplace where they're gonna kind of that's true. Looked, looked down upon and maybe treated not so well by guys. I mean, they're not perpetrating a bunch of crimes upon those guys. But that that it's just interesting. That one was like I, I had written it down. I'll at least mention that where it's like, you know, I want to talk about like why hustle, why it's important that Hustlers was directed and written by a woman. I, we don't need to talk about what it means for women because I don't think that's a productive conversation. It can just be an no. inter, an entertaining movie that someone happened to decide let's make this story and it just happens to be about women. But you know, it it's interesting that that or support the girls was just it, it was about women and just like them going through their lives on a daily basis and they, a very good like slice of life story in that manner and i this is obviously a much bigger scale but it's but it's interesting that it's like yeah these, these are just people that like happen to pull off a crime and it can just be that you know yeah that actually is an interesting comparison i hadn't thought about but yeah this and support the girls both i mean support the girls is a much more like low key movie and oh, there's sure. obviously there's no crime in it. Well, I guess there is, but like the, the main women don't commit any crimes, but it, there are long stretches of that and hustlers that are essentially just like workplace comedies. Right. So yeah, no, that's a good comparison. I, I mean, it's weird that like some like, uh, Andrew Bajowski is just like a, a dude that makes like indie movies and he made a movie that like no one like that was like wholly unproblematic in like the way it depicted women. Again, I think, I think it's, I, I think it still kind of got at that where it was like, all right, I'm just going to make a movie about women and it, it's, it's just going to be that story at the same time. I, if we, if I, I want to mention it, like, I think, like I mentioned earlier, like Gloria and Scafaria, like she, 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 she's like a worthy filmmaker that like 
it's really cool that she like got this opportunity and someone like will- was willing to finance this movie that we are always talking about like movies don't get financed in this range anymore mm-hmm. so it's like really cool that she got this chance and you know like just kind of knocked it out of the park and that they trusted her to do it i, I listened to an interview with her where she was like yeah I-, I wouldn't have been mad if martin scorsese had said yes like you don't say no to being like the writer on set with martin scorsese but at the same time like pretty cool that you got to make this movie because you know well i guess the point i was actually making i want to make about bringing up support the girls in the first place was that i didn't think that movie was problematic at all i guess and like just there were no male gaze issues in that movie i Mm -hmm. i don't i don't i just don't think that was an issue but you know there's a lot more of a risk of that being a problem when a movie set in a strip club even when it's set as opposed to even a hooters stand-in you know Mm -hmm, um and i i just think it was good that they had a woman direct this movie because it could have easily like turned poorly maybe even if martin scorsese had done it because martin scorsese i mean his movies can get kind of explicit even if like he makes good movies you know and it'd be weird if like you made a movie about a bunch of strippers in a strip club that had no nudity like that might almost be odd but like at the same time i think it probably helped to have a woman dealing with those scenes because it 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 just kind of felt natural you know well and lorraine scafari has talked about how they tried their best to be as accurate and respectful as possible. Like I know they had consultants who had worked as strippers or who knew about the industry, like on set to say like, Oh, it wouldn't work this way. Or like, that's not how I would do it. Right. Um, so I, I, I think there, and like, obviously I've seen some complaints about this movie. Like I, you know, you can't get everything perfect, but I appreciate the effort that went in to trying to be respectful that I think a, a female director maybe would do a better job with than a male director. When you say that about that, there, there, you when you appreciate your accuracy or whatever. Were there, were there any specific images from this movie that come to mind when you say that? I mean, people have like, for example, people have talked a lot about the scene where you see JLo for the first time, where she dances to Criminal, mm-hmm. and I feel like there there isn't actually a ton of stripping or nudity in the movie because it sort of takes off pretty quickly, but. I feel like the way that a lot of it is shot is emphasizes more like the athleticism of it. And like, there's a whole montage of JLo, like um, teaching Constance Wu the different moves that she can do on the pole. Yeah. I was almost, I was almost sore just watching that. I was like, God, that takes like so much. What I at least was struck by more than anything is that it's really impressive that a person can learn to do this. Like, obviously this takes a lot of work and athletic ability. And I feel like, a lot of times when you see movies or TV shows with scenes in strip clubs, like one, the women there aren't really characters. They're often used just sort of as background. And it, it feels like this didn't feel leering to me. It was right. more just like they're doing their job and they're good yeah. at their job. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, and I, there's been a lot written about just like how much these people actually train. Like, you know, they, they probably easily, if, if she really wanted to, JLo could have been like, yeah, I don't have time to learn how to do that. You could probably pretty easily have gotten like a stunt double in there for her and made that scene happen. And she learned how to do all of that. I mean, and, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are like other movies, I guess, about strippers, probably none that are like going to have, have been, ever been quite as mainstream as this one, maybe, I guess. And so like, I, I guess I just hadn't really ever thought about what goes into learning that, you know, like I just, I don't personally, I'm not like personally friends with anyone that's a stripper. I guess I, maybe I know a couple people that have like taken classes in pole dancing because that's like mm-hmm. a thing people legitimately do for exercise. But like, I've never thought about just like, like she rattles off like I think 10 different moves in that scene where she's teaching destiny. And I'm like, man, like that's like really intricate. And it's kind of crazy that like JLo actually definitely learned all that stuff. Like, yeah, like she, like she's the biggest star. And just by saying yes to being in this movie, that probably had a big part of it getting made. And she probably could have said yes and been like, yeah, I, I I just don't want to do all that. And she did all that more so than any of the other actresses in this movie. Like she, you see her teaching Destiny that, but the scenes where the rest of the movie, wherever Destiny is working, it's more just like kind of in, on top of guys in chairs, the, not quite to that extent. And it's like JLo like fully went there just to like show you like what these women actually have to do to be the best in their craft. Well, and I, yeah, I think it's smart to have that scene pretty early on where Ramona is showing Destiny all the different moves because it immediately impresses upon the audience that, like, this is a very impressive person. Mm-hmm. And so you understand why Destiny would sort of get drawn into whatever Ramona was going to want to do. Well, I mean, also, it, it, that happens even before that. It happens in the criminal well, scene. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 
also smart casting because we all like have an idea of JLo as someone that has been famous for a long time and that we know is like an incredible dancer. And so you're already like, I understand why somebody would want to follow along with whatever she was doing, you know? Right. It's like almost meta casting because this is somebody who's been, you know, doing this for years and is like a very impressive person. So you, you know, you get it. Yeah. And I guess, I, I guess I'll just go there now with, cause I mean, like about, about the, like kind of about the performances in general. I mean, I, I don't think it's like, a, it, it's already been said a lot, but I mean, like it's been like a really long time since JLo gave a performance. It's been like unanimously praised like this. And I think she's like, I think he's like almost so good in the movie that it's like hard to, uh, it's hard to like fairly judge how good Constance Wu is in the movie. I feel like some of the people I've been talking about are like just kind of mixed on Constance Wu. And I, I don't even know how to evaluate it when you're like this, the next like most, recognizable important person in a movie i mean she's arguably the lead and we'll i want to talk to you about a little bit about the, like the awards part of this which yeah, but, but like I, I just as far as like she's obviously jayla is obviously like the the biggest star in it and like the uh, biggest perf- biggest performance in it but it's like wow when i get it when anyone's saying like well was constance Wu like really bringing it here but i'm like I, f- I don't know who you could have like put in that role where it's not going to like just pale in comparison to what Jennifer Lopez is doing. You know, it's like Jennifer Jayla is that good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of part of the point. Like I think Constance Wu is good, but like JLo is just like so charismatic in this part mm-hmm. that like you're like anything, like I said this, I think I said this on Letterboxd, but like any shot of her lighting a cigarette is like so captivating and she does it dozens of times, but you're like everything she does or that shot, you know, people talk a lot about that shot of her, sitting on the roof in the fur coat. Well, I saw that thing. I saw that. that, I don't know if it popped up for you. Like that kept popping up for me on Facebook as an ad. Oh no, I didn't see it. No. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know why it it targeted me, I guess on Facebook with the creepy spy shit they do, but like it just, that thing kept popping up and I didn't want to watch the scene because I was like, this looks like a cool scene. I don't want to see it, but I've literally seen her light that cigarette at least 70 times because it was just like (laughs) for like a week and two weeks before the movie, it was just on Facebook every time I went there. And I was like, well, I don't want to watch this scene. Like I want to watch it for the first time in the movie. And I said, I would like see her light the cigarette or be like, get my fur. And then I would just like just keep scrolling. Like, I don't want to see this. So I'd already seen it several that's countless funny. times and like the scene was still like iconic just to watch for the first time and like see it in its full context and just like the way she is in that scene says so much about that character yeah no she's great it's a total you know movie star performance mm-hmm. where you just want to watch everything she does yeah and, and I, I but like i like what you said though about how it's like it's kind of the point where like uh, destiny might just like be in her shadow but, but like that's the thing like other people have been like wow like constance Wu just like it doesn't feel like she brings a ton to the performance, but I, I, I think that's more on the. It's one. It's on, it's because like yes, she's opposite J Lo. Two, it's on the script and the way they chose to adapt that story. Because one, like yeah, anyone is going to be in awe and just not seem as outgoing and uh, charismatic when they're just standing there just in awe of what Ramona is doing on that stage in that first scene. Like she's going to be like a deer in headlights and she's going to be a little hesitant because she's going to want to try and learn and be as good as this woman who's taking her under her wing. That's part of it. But also the other part of it is that I think that's just how they write the character. She's not there being like super out there and super crazy in the same way that Ramona is. And that was the one interesting thing about how it got adapted from the story that Jessica Pressler wrote. I read it right after the movie. I wa- I saw the movie and a lot of it is like straight from the story, which is cool that like it's that entertaining and it's really closely adapted from a magazine story. But, you know, in the in the story, the Destiny character, uh, she's like w- almost the brains behind the entire operation in a way. Uh, oh, that's interesting. It's like, I mean, and obviously it's kind of the movie kind of shows her being the sensible one later on, if for lack of a better term, where she's trying to convince like Ramona, hey, maybe don't max out their credit cards every time. Like you can milk them if you do it for longer and all that stuff, which, yeah, like we could tell by watching it that like she's maybe trying to play the long game is making a little more sense. But like I do think it's kind of impressive. The movie does show and doesn't tell a lot where you see her. She has the all like the the pictures of the guys laid out on like the kitchen table in Ramona's apartment. Mm-hmm. And she's like, kind of has like uh, a little bit of a working knowledge of all the different re- repeat clients that they're going back to. But like, she had like, she just had a more active leadership role in just the business side of the operation and just making it just kind of oiling all the gears for lack of a better term and making it go. And I think like a version of the script that maybe just like kind of gets into her psyche a little more and how she, she has that business sense. Maybe you, you away just being more impressed with Constance, Constance Wu if they give her that to do. 
and it's just the movie doesn't go there, and it's fine. It's like I don't really think there's any actress that just brings a ton more to that character. I could see a way in which the movie's not as good if you don't cast someone as charismatic as J-Lo to play Ramona, but I was like, yeah, good job, Constance. Well, you did fine. I think we're in agreement on that, though. Well, and I think she's an effective uh, like uh, point-of-view character. She's Somebody has to be the audience surrogate, right. and I think she, she does a good job conveying somebody who is new to this world and is trying, you know, get sucked into this scheme. Definitely. It's I mean, just a different kind of part. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and I guess, I mean, it, it kind of ties into like, I don't know, like who you're rooting for, but what did you think about just like, I don't know, I guess, I guess like how they progress throughout the movie, both through the the initial timeline, but also when you're seeing them in those scenes with Julia Stiles, like, how did you come to think of like how the movie framed how you're supposed to feel about these people based on what specifically what Destiny's saying like when she's getting interviewed and doesn't seem to have a ton of remorse? No, she doesn't. But you also get more information in those interview scenes about what her like her life has been like up to that point, and the fact that she keeps she keeps saying to Jill Estes' character, like, did you talk to Ramona? What did Ramona say about me? Yes. Like, and, and the fact that she calls later, uh, or, or she calls after the story is published and is like, but why, why do you think she said that? You know, like she's not explicitly showing a lot of remorse, but I think she is maybe not totally confident in all of the decisions that she's made. Yeah. And I think, I think she's like, good in those scenes. Like, I think she's, I guess putting on a face. I, I, I don't think you like I think you get that like she's trying to make it seem like she is kind of totally content with how things are. Her asking like, oh, what did Ramona say about me? What did she say about me? That's a little bit of a crack in that facade. But also like I think you can tell that like she might not totally be 100 percent like cool with how her life has gone. Right. Well, and then there's that scene outside the police station when they've finally been caught and arrested where they she and Ramona kind of get into it but when she says like i'm gonna take the deal but then she says like i had to do this for my daughter and they both sort of come to that understanding that like we we did this to help our daughters and now we sort of have to take this punishment to still be able to be there for our daughters you know yeah i think ramona like at first she's upset but she kind of gets it and that's kind of what i wanted to ask you about these interview scenes because you know and i this is actually, I guess it's a conversation we've had before where I, I always say, like, I like interview scenes in movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've talked about I, this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I, I feel like we've talked about it at least a couple other times since we, first ever movie we talked about was Jackie. And I was thinking about Jackie when I was watching this and it's like, because it was a similar way and that it was a framing device that it kept going back to throughout the movie like it does in Jackie. It's obviously a extremely different movie. And I was like, I, I guess it maybe worked a little more for me in Jackie where, like, I just... I don't know. It just really got to me how she was interacting with the Billy Crudup character and Jackie. And it felt like I was just getting a really good sense of who uh, Jackie Kennedy was almost more so than I was out of the Constance Wu character. But I, I liked in this movie, even if those scenes don't, these interview scenes don't feel as dynamic as they do in that one. I getting like a really good sense of how they feel about each other. And that was still pretty cool. Like, I don't, you don't see as much of Ramona getting interrogated. That would have been kind of cool if you'd seen a little more of the police interrogation than we actually did. But it's cool when she whips out the picture of Destiny and mm-hmm. you just see how she really feels about her. And just you see those cracks in Destiny, like still like wondering like how Ramona feels about her. And it's kind of cool. It just, it just uses it as a way to, sh- to kind of remind you like this movie was like really about friendship in a way and i thought it was cool how it ultimately kind of came back around to that whereas for a lot of the movie you're like do we really need to be coming back to this character and i i get it was kind of cool to like use her as like a little bit of a juxtaposition where it's like yeah here's this like really privileged white woman that's interviewing this these women of color Mm -hmm. and like a lot of they're forced into this life uh that these two main characters were because of just like where they were born and that makes a huge difference and that's a very worthwhile thing to point out but i just i don't know maybe the movie isn't like as graceful in making that point as maybe it could have been and the interview scenes they just don't feel as like uh high stakes and suspenseful as a lot of the my favorite interview scenes in movies but i still thought it did a pretty good job of serving like what the movie was trying to accomplish yeah i know some people don't like that sort of framing device. Cause it, and, and I've seen some people mention it, uh, in regard to this movie that it can feel like a little bit clumsy and be like, and now we're going to talk about this, but I sort of, I like I'll give it, I'll give them some leeway because this was literally adapted from a magazine article. 
you know, it's like, right. that is how they got, this woman got this information. And when you are covering so much time and such an intricate, like several different intricate schemes, I don't really have a problem with them directly asking and answering questions on screen like that. Right. I, I just have to like keep coming back to thinking about that where it's like that, like she really kind of like tied this stuff together. Like if you, if you, if you read that story, like she was going back and forth between uh, Ramona and Destiny. I guess it's Rosalind and Samantha are their real life characters mm-hmm. that play Destiny and uh, Ramona. And like she was, she literally like spent a lot of time just going back to them and like they kept calling her and they just, they, they just kept wanting to talk, which I guess is a, another interesting thing. Just like I, I kind of appreciate that myself as far as just like a former journalist where I'm just like seeing how you get someone to open up because that is one of the interesting things about the movie continuously going back to her conversations with destiny where you keep thinking she's going to clam up and not want to talk. And then she keeps just like kind of wanting to say something. And I, I did like a few of the, the tricks that like you get to see Julia styles use that like a journalist might use to get someone to open up or it's like, Oh yeah, well I talked to her, but you know, I, I, I want to get your side of the story. And it's like hard. It's a very hard thing to say no to that where it's like, Oh, well, yeah. Like what if this is just from one, what if this story comes up from being from my, uh, quote unquote nemesis point of view? Like I got, I got to talk. And so I, I definitely appreciated it in those moments, even if those movies don't necessarily build suspense in the same way, like the interview scenes and in, like, Foxcatcher or Magnolia or something like that. Like it was like this is it's still kind of cool getting to see a journalist extract information in that manner. Mm-hmm. And I like some of the um, kind of like the filmmaking tricks too that come up over those scenes too. Like there's the part where Destiny gets mad and storms out, and the sound cuts out where she's like yelling, and then oh, you're like, right. she's yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to talk anymore, and then she like storms out and it's quiet. Like so, there are those those scenes aren't all just literally questions and answers and sitting around and not moving. It's a very, it's actually a, a very like, reservoir they, dogs type of thing. I thought about that when I saw yeah, that here, walks out of the warehouse and reservoir dogs and the mm-hmm. music stops, which is funny. Cause when I was listening to Lorraine Scafaria's interview on the big picture, like she's like a massive Tarantino fan, which I had, I hadn't even mm-hmm. made that connection until you just mentioned that, which is, which is funny. Well, and there's a couple of like funny moments too. Like when they, there's a part where they, they go into the kitchen and she hands her a cup of tea and it's right after she's just explained how they drugged these guys and she sort of stops and looks oh, down at them. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some fun stuff in those scenes too. Yo, yeah, for sure. And like, I don't know, like there's been some talk about like whether this movie is like gonna, what it's gonna do like for award season. Like, as, and it's like, I've heard some people like, it'd be kind of ridiculous if this movie like, submits itself as a comedy in for like at least to get some golden globes but i wouldn't blame it for doing that just to like make sure it gets some more love you know the globes are so weird that way that they could totally get away with it yeah it's like i mean i mean they'll be happy just to give like have a big star like jennifer lawrence at their show but it's like at the same time it's like it should a movie like about like drugging people and stealing money from them like should we feel comfortable just classifying that as a straight comedy? But like, I laughed a lot at this movie. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked mostly about the two main characters, obviously, but like uh, Mercedes and Annabelle are basically comic relief characters. Right. Like that, like a, that moment where Kiki Palmer bolts out of the parking garage. Oh, yeah. That was like the biggest <laughs> laugh really my, funny. my theater got to. Yeah. Like every like everybody in my theater laughed at that. And like, there's lots of moments. There's lots of really funny moments. Um, so like, I wouldn't call it a comedy, but there's definitely like several big laughs in it. So I wouldn't be too mad about it being classified that way. No, no, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, like as far as like awards and stuff, like, are are you on the JLo, JLo for the Oscars train? Yes. And also I don't think it's category fraud to run her as best supporting actress. Yeah. I, I think it's, I, th- I thought a lot about line, this, but I totally accept the argument. Cause I remember when the, um, when the first poster came out and Constance Wu's name is first and people were like, how good is her agent that she's built above JLo? But when you watch the movie, like it's from destiny's point of view. And I think she's in it a little more. And I totally buy the argument that JLo is best supporting actress. No, I I was, I was definitely one of those people too. That was like, I want the oral history of how she ended up. Like I definitely tweeted that. I was like, I want the oral history of how she got her agent, got her first build. And like, understandably it seem crazy right i mean it just seemed like i think everyone assumed like well jo is like the much more famous like she's gonna be she should she's probably gonna be the lead of this movie but she wasn't and i was like which is like surprising like i think obviously like they did a very good job of like casting her where she did but like at the same time movies do have co-leads but i i also do agree with you like there's not like 
because you do see like you see a lot of her interview and you see a little more of her personal life like there's not i guess that many scenes where like there's not like that many scenes where it's just her but not like that many long scenes where she's in it but jayla is not i mean besides the interview scenes like you see a little bit of her with her boyfriend and a little bit of her with her grandma but other than that like they're mostly on the screen at the same time i'd say but like at the same time it does feel like she's the point of entry character and i don't think it's bad if like they want to put they want to make jlo the uh supporting actress yeah i mean i think i think they're they're co-leads but it's not wrong to classify her as supporting when sometimes movies do that and you're like well that is just now you're just messing with us there's no like like when um Rooney Mara was nominated Best Supporting Actress for Carol, and she's actually in it more than Kate Blanchett. Like, movies pull that all the time, but I don't think that's one of yeah, these Yeah, Rooney Mara is definitely the leading Carol. Like, that was, I mean, not the most egregious thing we've ever seen from the Oscars, but, like, I, that that's, like, a pretty, that's a pretty solid callback. Just to get a little more micro for a second, the um, my friends at awardcircuit.com, they have their uh, weekly uh, rankings of where people should be predicted for these things. And right now they have J-Lo as third on predicted for Best Supporting Actress. And they'll like do this for movies that they that like haven't even been released yet. But they have like Laura Dern for Marriage Story at number one, uh, Meryl Streep for The Laundromat at number two, then J-Lo, then Zal Juzen for The Farewell, who, who we've talked about, and oh, then, yeah. Margot Robbie for, her. then Margot Robbie for Once Upon a Time, Time in Hollywood at number five. So, I mean, the next couple after that are Annette Benning for The Report and Anna Paquin for The Irishman. So, again, movies that still haven't been released. Like, th- those... That's the thing. It's so early. So. Right. It's early, but it's like uh, I, I, I just have like a hard time believing that there's going to be like five performances that are going to be like just more of a powerhouse and just like more captivating and engaging than what J-Lo does in this movie. No, I agree. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out as more of these like awards season movies come out. But I think that she could totally hang in there. She'll definitely get a Globe nomination if nothing else. Yeah, and it's like, it's cool. It's like, I mean, like last year, you know, not that like the Oscars have never nominated multi-hyphenate people for stuff before, but like you just saw them do it with Lady Gaga last year in a mm-hmm. movie that might, point. that got more Oscar nominations than Hustlers is probably going to get. But like you, like it shows that they're like not afraid to nominate someone like her that like barely acted in movies before. And JLo has like a very long movie career. It's, it's very odd that she has gone almost 20 years without doing anything that's as lauded as his performance was. It's a very interesting acting career she's had because she's had such a varied career. But it's like, I think the fa- I feel like the fact that she's like been in stuff that's like very well respected, even if a lot of it was in the 90s, like should make the Academy a little more willing to give her the nod. Well, and also this movie is a hit and they're always complaining about like, oh, nobody watches the Oscars because people don't know what these movies are, which is a dumb argument. But also people, lots of people have seen this movie and they're going to keep seeing it. Yeah, I feel like it's going to stay in the conversation. Yeah, because I mean, I don't have like my personal release schedule in front of me, but I feel like it has a couple weeks here that it can really kind of suck up a lot of the air at the box office before we get like into Oscar season. I mean, I keep saying it when I have people on the pod with me, like, "Oh, we're almost there, we're almost there," and we are almost there. It's like the heart of Oscar season, but you know, the last couple months of September, there's not like a ton of stuff being released. Like, I am super excited for Ad Astra, but people don't see people don't see James Gray movies. Like, I it's sad. I'm glad people keep giving him money to make movies, but it's it's not going to be a hundred dollar movie a hundred million dollar movie it's just not like i bet hustlers makes more money than it this weekend and i'm happy for hustlers to do that you know like it's just there's there's not another big movie like that and i don't know if there is next week too so like it has a chance to like get maybe get close to a hundred million dollars you know i don't know about a hundred million because it only made 33 million in the first i just i just looked and it's made 43 okay which for only being out a week is decent yeah and being a rated r movie and um having a like maybe a little i'm sure the word of mouth would be good too so um it was because it was also like the think the first trailer for it came out in like july which is kind of uh like oh not a long time period for them to like build up buzz i guess it was pretty calculated and smart move for them to um screen it at tiff and uh have everyone like really like it there but you know i think hopefully the word of mouth just really really helps and people really like it and it keeps doing really well and like you said that that can only help it with the awards uh last thing i want to ask you um i i know you're a big fiona apple fan uh what did you think <laughs> when like that that song uh criminal it, it, it gets utilized in like what's probably going to be the most iconic scene from this movie 
I mean, it's so good. I it had been spoiled for me because oh, I. Oh, you already knew like, that. That's, that's a... like r- the second it played at TIFF, everybody was like, "J Lo pole dances to Criminal," and I was uh, like, "Man, okay. I really would have liked to discover that." But like, it's great anyway. Like, I was so I love Fiona Apple. I was like, anytime a Fiona Apple song appears in movie or TV, I'm like, yes, this is for me. Well, I was going to ask you about that. I, 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 I don't don't need to go too far down the rabbit hole because there was like a whole controversy about where the proceeds for them using the song were going to go and. Don't need to talk about that, but I, I got the feeling that that was kind of a rare. It's somewhat of a rare thing to clear. It doesn't one of her happen songs. a lot. Well, right, and she has th- that specific song had never been used in a movie. Like I, I was reading, there was an article on Vulture about them licensing all the songs because there are so many songs in this movie, mm-hmm. and she had never let that specific one be used in a movie before. But she had recently vowed to pledge all of her royalties from that song for the next couple years to charities that benefit refugees. Okay. So I think that part of that motivation was like, oh, well, I'll get a lot of money that I will then be able to donate if I let them use it. I, I just don't know a ton about Fiona Apple and how she interacts with the world, but like they just had a lot of trouble tracking her down, I guess. And like somehow she is a, an extremely like private person. Like and, she will yeah, occasionally like, release music and then like disappear. Right. Like a somewhat enigmatic figure, I guess. And yeah, totally. And I, I thought it was kind of funny though, like knowing that like she, at least I don't know a ton about her, but I know enough to know she's kind of like that. And then apparently like I, 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 I heard somewhere else today on, I might've been on pop culture happy hour or just another pop, one of the 10 podcasts I've listened to already about this movie. But like, mm-hmm. they're like, like Jennifer Lopez called her up, which is kind of cool. Just yeah. to think of like JLo calling Fiona Apple up to be like, Hey, can I use this song that's never what been in a movie? It's kind of one of those things where it's like if JLo asks you to do something, you're like, <laughs> yes, obviously. Right. Well, I did, I, I, that's like even me, like who is a self-described musical Luddite, like I can't get enough of stories like that where like a famous person that's making a movie but is doing it on a budget has to call another famous person and ask them for a favor like that. Uh, like, the, you know, the stories from Lady Bird where Greta Gerwig just like wrote, written, mm-hmm. like, wrote handwritten notes to like Justin Timberlake and – Bone Thugs and Harmony or whoever and like got rights to their songs or you know uh Jonah Hill had to do that for mid-90s which was like had a pretty killer soundtrack but like the movie was made for like four million dollars like I, I just like learning about that and how movies like that come together but the one other thing I was going to ask you about this um this soundtrack was that Usher scene uh oh it's so good was that was that spoiled for you because I, I I was listening no. to the podcast with Lorraine Sakharfari and she's and she was very sensitive and she's like we have one cameo and I didn't know it was going to come through I'm not going to spoil it but it was an I epic knew, day on set I knew there was a cameo but I managed to not be spoiled on who it was and like so the, like Lizzo runs in and says like motherfucking gushers here <laughs> so, like, it's so good. I, yeah I mean I, obviously it sounds like you, you did like how they pulled that off I mean I you know I guess cameos in movies can sometimes feel like, wow, like you just did this because this person said yes and this serves no purpose. But like, I don't know. It was pulled off so well and it felt so genuine, the reaction. And like she said, it was like an epic day on set when that happened. So it's like you might almost be getting like just about everyone on that in that cast besides J-Lo is like like uh, probably like nowhere in comparison to like fame to where Usher is. So it almost felt like Mm -hmm. very authentic and what it actually would have been like if Usher just like randomly walked into the movie set, you know? Well, right. Like it, I mean, that's like, that's such a good scene. And it's like, you can tell that they're all like, obviously the characters are having a great time, but you can tell that like, that was a fun day on set. Like they all, cause like the whole cast is on stage and it like, you can tell that that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and they and they played like in is it actually even a song in this club or is Love it, in this club? Yeah, in yeah. this club. And like I, I, I there there is that and what's the song that plays when when Destiny first sees uh Ramona again when she returns to work? Um is that it's not is that uh is that Flo Rider? Um Oh, I don't remember. Right now, There's so um, many songs. You, you know I'm right now. I'm going to I don't know. Right now. Oh god. <laughs> I, I'm not going to sing. That would have been really bad if I tried to harder. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's a full writer song where it's uh, something like right now or something like that. And like, again, like this is again, like, I mean, I, I guess I'm two years older than you, but like it was it's very evocative when I was in college and like songs that were like really popular then. Yeah. Sometimes musical cues can feel like way on the nose, but like the most popular songs that they drop into this movie, like, I don't know. It just, it really took me to a fun place and didn't feel, didn't feel like too on the nose or too obvious, even if they were popular songs. And it just did yeah. a good job of creating a lot of very memorable moments you know well the two where i was like they started playing and i was like oh i know exactly where in time we are is um beautiful girls that sean oh yeah 
that I heard one million times in 2008. So that started playing, and I was like, Wait, I know where we are. I forgot. And then was that was that during one of the montages, or when did they? Yeah, play? yeah. It's when they're like buying stuff and moving into the apartment. Okay, yeah. And then towards the end, Royals plays over the montage of them all getting arrested, and oh, I was like, oh, it's good. summer of 2013. Yes, nailed it. That that was that was. You didn't even need to put the date on the screen. It's very on point. I was really impressed when they just a lot of very cool moments they did with very cool needle drop moments like that uh speaking of moving into apartments that scene where they moved in the ta- uh tanning bed i was like it was very <laughs> random but like very impressive too i don't know like that was like a very telling moment about where those people were at that point in their scam yeah. but also just like a, a little bit of a flashy filmmaking moment that i also liked well yeah because at first you're kind of like what's happening here what are they doing it just cuts to the back yeah. of the truck yeah <laughs> um but that was cool and like just like a lot of the scenes like i guess a lot of those scenes revolved around ramona's apartment it's like very cool and like a cool reminder of like wow like if they're doing it right and the economy is good like strippers can make a lot of money and like she makes mm-hmm. the comment about like one of her one of those guys that we meet like kind of financing her apartment like i guess they talk about the different levels of wall street guys which is also kind of interesting and you know how they prey on guys with the wedding rings uh which is smart i guess if you're running a scheme like that um <laughs> but but i mean i don't know it was cool it's like yeah, there's that there's that side of it once they start doing the illegal stuff, but it's like uh, when the economy is good, like yeah, if you make a couple thousand dollars a night, like you can make enough money to like live like she does in Manhattan, and it was cool. They had a lot of fun scenes that revolved around that apartment and in that Christmas scene or something like that. Like that was before, like I was talking about at the beginning, like that was still at a point where like things were going just going really cool for them and like R- like Ramona bonding with Destiny's grandma. Like that I was, was say, really. I love the stuff with the grandma in that scene. Right. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It was just like, wow, you're like, you're taking the time to like, let the old grand crippled grandma character, like have a moment with like your star. Like, I, and I just, I, I, I just really appreciated that. But yeah, I think, I think we've uh, pretty well covered it. Hannah, did you have any other, uh, any other final thoughts about anything about the movie we didn't touch on before we sign off? I don't think so. I think I really, I wanted to make sure that we talked about the music, but yeah, no, I mean it, I, I really enjoyed it and I hope, uh, Lorraine Scafaria gets to make more bigger movies if she wants to following the success of this and i hope it continues to make money yeah they they think they made this movie for like 20 million dollars which is like very impressive when you think about the money it would have taken to like get a lot of these songs like they yeah it's like that and to like have who knows exactly how much money they had to pay j-lo but probably doesn't come cheap so it's like when it's like oh a 20 million dollar movie with like really popular songs and a big 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 star it's like they they made the movie just like look really good on like a budget and i think when you make a movie that's gonna probably make around 100 million dollars for the amount that she was able to make it for it's like that 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 probably earns you some other cool opportunities so hopefully uh lorraine scafaria gets to do that and uh but yeah it sounds like we both highly recommend it uh we're jumping on the jlo for the oscar campaign hopefully that just plows right through oscar season and keeps on going strong um i think it can happen yeah we'll see uh hannah uh anything you want to plug before we sign off uh yeah my twitter is at h-g-c-o-u-t-u-r-e and my letterbox is hannah gc yeah my twitter as usual is josh jernavoy j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y and letterbox same thing podcast email rewindmoviepod at gmail.com and twitter the rewind movie pod so Everyone, check us out there. Coming up next, we'll have a podcast, I guess, on the aforementioned Ad Astra. And I don't even remember what comes out after that because, like you're saying, not not a bunch of big stuff coming in September. But we'll figure something else out, and then we'll be right here with you for Oscar season. So everyone stay tuned for that. Thanks to Hannah for joining, and thanks to all you for listening. We'll see you next time.